Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger. We are excited to be live here from Milwaukee at Fall Experiment. Today, we have another amazing guest, Max Fergus. He is the founder and CEO of a company called Loom. Welcome to the show, Max. Thank you so much, Brian. Looking forward to it. Let's get started. You've just got off stage to talk a little bit about your business and some of the new disruptions that are going on in the music industry. Let's start there. Tell me a little bit about Loom and what are you seeing in this crowded space of music? You know, the truth is that when most people talk about music disruption, they write it off right away. There's a lot of corpses in the music industry, especially when it comes to emerging music. We've seen a lot of companies over the last five years try to create what a lot of people would call Spotify clones that just focus on emerging music. But the truth is that for the large part, corporate and mainstream music is better than emerging music. If we are just trying to give these emerging artists a better chance to survive, if we give them the average fan or the end user the same experience that they're going to get on Spotify and try to compete with algorithms that none of us can compete with, we're not going to be able to do anything for the fan and we're surely not going to help the artists. So the truth is, and what Loom is rooted in, is looking at the technology that exists all around the world that's currently empowering content creators that use streaming technology and putting that technology into music streaming for the first time. And that's really what Loom is all about. Let's talk a little bit about your background. So as a founder, it's always interesting to me to have an interview with an entrepreneur and say, how did they get to this space? I know you have a diverse background. You spent some time in China. I did as well. And I'm interested in finding out a little bit about how that nugget of the problem that you saw out there and, and the experiences that you brought to the table gave you the decision to say, let's start this company. Yeah, the truth is that most people think that when you start a company in college, you either start it around booze or music. And so we already had a little bit of a disadvantage there because people automatically assume that we were starting another college startup, especially coming from a place like Madison, in which case booze and music are both very prevalent. Um, But the truth is that we didn't start Loom with the understanding that we were going to do music right away. We looked at industries that were growing rapidly, like streaming, like music streaming, and made our decision based off the ones that were the most likely to be disrupted. And music streaming was really powerful because it hasn't just been growing really really far in the past, but it's growing exceptionally fast right now, and it's going to grow even more so over the next 10 years. And that was really what motivated us, I think, to go down that path specifically. I understand you had some background in healthcare and a little bit in the VC space as you're going through college. What made you decide this is what I want to do for the next five, 10 years of my life? You know, I was always an entrepreneur, but one of the consequences of going to a school like Madison is that you're surrounded by people that are full of motivation. And so when I got to Madison as a freshman and started taking finance classes, I got pulled into that right away. And I was no different than any of those students. Really motivated, to be honest with you, really only motivated because I felt like I should be motivated. Now that I look back on it, I see myself going into investment banking and squeezing the last dollars 
out of really mature industries. And to be honest with you, I didn't have as much passion in that. True motivation is only rooted in passion. And I think once I realized that and realized how much I really wanted to still be an entrepreneur after school, there was no question that I wanted to go down this path instead of the one that I had previously outlined for myself. So we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the background and why you started it in Milwaukee and that. But getting back to the industry itself, what are some of the trends? Because you're not just about music streaming. I heard your talk. You talk a lot about community and some of the trends in content creation and that that are changing the way consumers view content in general. What are some of the trends that you're seeing and why did you see a huge opportunity for what you're building? Absolutely. And it all came down for us to the comparison of all of these streaming verticals. And the easiest one to look at is Twitch and Amazon because they're in our own backyard. I barely even knew what esports was two years ago. Most of my friends went from really not playing a lot of esports to playing games every single day, watching Twitch live, taking it from a niche to an entertainment and industry powerhouse like we had talked about. But that wasn't the thing that really interested us. What interested us the most was that Twitch was making billions of dollars just off of micropayments from fans virtually gifting their favorite esports gamers. Now, digital tipping and tip jars aren't new, but I can tell you right now, without that medium, would those fans have ever gifted an esports gamer right. simply through Venmoing them or finding them online? Probably not. And we think that those business practices, those business models, are even more applicable to music in a generation right now that is one of the most lean-in generation of music lovers that we've ever seen. You're seeing it in music festivals popping up around the world. You're seeing live venues and live entertainment actually increasing in the United States. But you're not seeing any of that money or any of that increase in revenue going to the people that are actually creating the content in this scenario, the actual musicians. And at the same time, it's causing a negative user experience for a lot of the fans. So about that experience, obviously there's platforms, you know, you have YouTube channels and you see a lot of people spinning up content in that. What helps the audience understand what's good, what's bad? That curation of that content, I imagine, is a very important part of what you're building and, and what's actually going to take off. So talk a little bit about that problem. Specifically you, for Loom or for... For Loom and, and in general, this massive content. Everybody can be a content creator. And, yeah, uh, and, that, so, and that's a great point. Because to be honest with you, so one of the first things that people ask us is, why don't your friends just go join Twitch or just go join TikTok and thrive there? The truth is that they could, absolutely. But still, what about music streaming? In terms of people streaming full-length recorded versions of their songs, building out libraries and playlists and sharing it with their friends, that industry is still a $131 billion industry that is still on the brink of disruption. Those other platforms are diluted by other content creators and influencers that have nothing to do with music. And so by building that around music specifically, we can better market to a specific niche target market of Generation Z, younger millennials, that target market that is exceptionally interested in it. Our algorithms don't tell people what to listen to. Our algorithms tell people what others in their area, around the country, with similar affinities to them, are actually interested in creating a better, stronger relationship, allowing Loom to actually play matchmaker between these young artists and these young fans that are actually looking for them. Can you imagine the power for a young artist to find their first super fan not being one of their friends or their mom, 
that's a really powerful experience uh, for anybody, and I think one that we're really excited to, to capitalize on and that we've already seen. So let's talk a little bit about community. So as a founder, no founder and no business really kind of starts without having some support and resources, and, and the best founders know how to kind of find that community and find those resources. Talk a little bit about your early days of idea generation to finding the right people to surround yourself with to help get it off the ground. Like I said, a large majority of the founding team for Loom was students and alumni from the University of Wisconsin. And even further than that, a lot of them were our really close friends. And I think if that wouldn't have been the case, a number of us probably would have taken those jobs after school. But going more specifically to your question around the platform, I remember the first day we ever launched our pre-pilot beta, like even before it was on the App Store, we were testing it on TestFlight, we got about 100 artists on and 100 fans onto this pilot application, sitting in my dad's house because the Wi-Fi at our office wasn't working that day. And within the first 30 minutes, I think we had never been more excited about the potential of Loom than we had been before, because our product at that point was terrible. It was a wireframe platform with about four screens, but me liking a post and telling an artist that I enjoyed hearing their music, to be honest with you, wasn't something that they could even really do on SoundCloud, wasn't something that they could do on any other platform around the world. And just by giving them that one experience, that artist is still a user today on Loom because they've never seen it anywhere else. We always say artists are more than the sum of their streams. It's, all, it's so much more about the relationship that they can build with their fans. So how did you go about finding that community for yourself for, as an early entrepreneur to know what are the resources, where can I go to spin up a business from scratch? To be honest with you, it came from all over the place. I really wish I could say that there was one thing that was more important than another thing. Obviously, the University of Wisconsin-Madison was huge. I can't even deny that. And I think that the bigger piece is by the time we had gotten to pressure chamber, when we had one pressure chamber after graduating that summer, we realized the full plethora of resources that was available to us. We asked ourselves early on, can a music streaming company survive in the Midwest when really it needs to be located in New York or LA? But we had the Madison Chamber of Commerce and the Forward Technology Festival and the UW and all of these resources and mentors, angel money, all flourishing and giving us resources that we desperately needed. But even more so than that, I would actually say one of the biggest things that has helped us is the Starting Block community, which is the new entrepreneurial community based out of Madison, run by Chandra Miller-Feenan, uh, which I would say has helped Loom potentially more so than anything, but has probably given Madison a bigger entrepreneurial ecosystem and spirit boost than anything that we've seen over the course of the last 10 years. So let's talk about your team. As a founder, that's one of the best things you have to do, and the, probably the most important thing to do is surround yourself with the best and the brightest that you can find and that can complement what you're doing. How did you go about finding your team and building that out? A thing that people always say is that the intellect and the students at UW don't match up with students at Harvard or Stanford or some of these other really top Ivy League schools or schools around the country. And I don't disagree with all of that, but what I disagree with is that the top quartile of students at the UW are just as smart and as motivated and as passionate as any of those students at any of those universities. And I wish I could take credit for going out and finding the smartest kids across the school, but the truth is that they were surrounding us at all times. It was not hard to find students that were exceptionally motivated and exceptionally excited to, like I said, challenge themselves and explore new career opportunities. 
We did a risk analysis of our company early on of the nine major types of risk that startups come accustomed to failing to. And the first thing that we had checked off the box was our team risk. So you've been in business 18 months-ish around there. What are some of the obstacles or the biggest things that you've had to face in the last 18 months that have made you think twice about what you've done? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think, I don't think yet I've thought a single time about what I've done in a, in a negative way or that I would ever go back on it. In terms of obstacles, I think the biggest obstacle for us is two-sided marketing, I would say. Not because we have a better chance necessarily at reaching artists or reaching fans, but because of the capital and the human capital that's required to reach both of the markets. Ultimately, you have to come up with separate branding strategies that are completely cohesive when you're reaching out to artists and reaching out to fans so that when they get on Loom, the user experience is exactly what they perceived it to be because they have an expectation of that coming in. That costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of creative assets. And it is a capital high business to run in general. But we are one of the leanest startups of all time. And my dad gave me great advice when we started Loom. And he said, you have to treat that money like it's your own. And because of that, we have runway, even after raising our seed financing in May of just over a million dollars through the first quarter of 2021, still over you know 16 months out. So let's talk a little bit about what's next. You're on a fast pace. You've alluded to it in the conversation before about some of the new things that you're going to be launching. What's next for Loom? As you saw earlier, we announced some really exciting things. I will say this. When you're going to a restaurant that has a menu with too many options, sometimes it's hard to pick what you want to eat. And over the course of the last month, we've been dealing with that a little bit. We didn't know anything about data when we started Loom. And so when we have companies like Universal and Sony and Live Nation reaching out to us because they want to use our data for better leveraging it for live entertainment, for advertising, for especially A&R, right? A&R alone is an industry where $11 million a day is spent to sign two acts. And these labels believe that Loom can better give them those next emerging artists than the current data platforms that they're spending a million dollars a day on right now to find those acts. Luckily for us, we've had some really great mentors and advisors that have helped us really focus on what we want to do. There's always time for that. But what we need to do right now is create the next business model for music. And Loom is launching in the next two months the first ever fully free music streaming platform that allows for fans to directly support and tip their favorite emerging artists, whether it's in their local areas, regionally, or nationally. And the amount of technology that we're throwing in on top of that to make sure that that process is as exciting and interactive and engaging for our fans and artists is really, really exciting for us. So you mentioned some of the bigger companies are coming to you now. At Inside Outside Innovation, we talk a lot about corporates and how they can interact with startups and that. What are some of the challenges or opportunities that you're seeing with interacting with some of these larger companies and what are the pitfalls and opportunities that you see? Well, the first thing I'll say is that from a live entertainment side, our relationship with Print Productions and Live Nation has been phenomenal supportive, cornerstone established companies that really believe in the values that we also believe in around moving music forward. And when you go beyond that and you look at streaming, one of the big misconceptions about Loom is that we are trying to overtake or compete with a company like Spotify, which is completely incorrect. We actually think our business model is very synergistic with a company like Spotify, creating low cost value ways that have high revenue impact potential to use Loom as a stepping stone platform 
for young artists to brand themselves, power, use Loom as a tool to engage with their fans, grow their fan base, show that they can do it themselves, so that maybe one day they eventually can leave a content creator-supported platform and sign a label and go on to Spotify and make millions of dollars, right? Loom is the pathway and the tools that give them the opportunity to do that. How do you do that right now? You get lucky or for Billie Eilish, your uncle is the VP at Apple Music. You know, there is no really way. You know, we use the analogy often that in the NFL, the top 1% of people that make it to the league with some variation are usually the ones that should be playing in the NFL, right? There's no secret LeBron James not playing basketball, but they're really trying to. But in music, that's not the case. The top 1% of the people making the most money are absolutely not the most talented, right? The, maybe the entire first 5% is as, as talented as they are. And Loom is just a tool to help them get to that next step. If people want to find out a little bit more about you as an entrepreneur or Loom, what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. You can find us on Loom.fm is our website. At the same time, we're also currently available on iOS across the country, downloaded on the Apple App Store. You'll actually find us likely in the top free music charts on any given week. And at the same time, we'll be actually launching our Android version here over the course of the next three or four months. Thanks very much, Max, for being on. Of course. Inside Thank Outside you so much, friend. Appreciate it. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out InsideOutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.